Ever wanted a career that allowed you to travel the world's most exotic locations while taking photos and describing your experiences? Over the past few years, Kathleen DiPaolo has traversed the world, seeking out destinations most of us can only dream of, although she's much more than a travel blogger. With over 25,000 Instagram followers, Kathleen is certainly an influencer, but she's also an entrepreneur. The Bond University law graduate with an interest in international finance and taxation law launched the startup enterprise Wanderer's Wealth to help digital nomads like herself manage their finances as they travel the world. It's another remarkable story on Tomorrow is Mine, the podcast series that explores the lives of the student community who have come from right across the globe to study on Australia's Gold Coast, one of the fastest growing student cities in the Pacific. Hi, my name is Trevor Jackson, and before we hear from Kathleen, I must offer an apology. For some mysterious reason, we encountered a little intermittent digital interference during the recording of our conversation that wasn't apparent at the time. And given how difficult it is to track Kathleen down, by the time I discovered the problem, it was already too late. The good news is that I've managed to reduce and remove most of the static, so hopefully it won't detract from your enjoyment of this podcast. You could think of it as a retro effect, much like a radio broadcast from some far-flung destination where digital technology isn't the most reliable form of communication. A lot like the places that Kathleen tends to frequent. Hello, my name is Kathleen DiPaolo and I studied a tourist doctor at Bond University and now I travel the world as a tax consultant for digital nomads and this is my story. Tell me about growing up in Switzerland. Were you born there? <laughs> no, I was actually born in Mexico. I moved to Switzerland when I was about three years old and grew up in Switzerland. And your parents are Italian and Mexican, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so why Switzerland? Um, my dad was already born and grew up in Switzerland, so he's actually never lived in Italy. So, yeah. Ah, he's Swiss-Italian. <laughs> exactly. And how many languages does he speak? He speaks about four, I would say. And did you grow up speaking multiple languages? Yes, definitely. I've always spoken Spanish with my mom, um, Swiss German with dad, and Italian with the extended family, and obviously Swiss German, German at school. Yeah. And where did you learn English? I learned English at school and growing up with one of my best friends whose mom was actually Australian. What was it like being in Switzerland as a kid meant that you're always out in nature. Um, yeah, one of my fondest memories were made at Girl Scouts. So I was all the time at Girl Scouts all weekends and then also became a leader. So we were all the time out, you know, hiking by the lakes in the forest. So I think that's where I grew like my sense for exploration and adventure and yeah still love it to this day. You grow up in Switzerland presumably did very well at school and then you decide you want to come to Australia to study. Why did you choose the Gold Coast? So I studied international relations in Switzerland um, in the 
big international city of Geneva, so did my degree in French, which was quite a challenge. And Yet another language, <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. And then um, after my undergraduate, I tried as hard as possible to get a job in any sort of embassy. And I got the internship for Canberra and Paris. And because I've always been obsessed with Australia, <laughs> I was like, yep, I'm going for Canberra. <laughs> you must be the only girl in the world that would choose Canberra over Paris. Are you insane? <laughs> I know, I know. Everyone told me, like, why are you going to Canberra? And, like, and Paris made also so much more sense for, like, um, a career perspective because Paris, like, the relationships between Switzerland and Paris are so much more important than relationships between Switzerland and Canberra. So... <laughs> But I was just going to go for Australia. And, and it was only an internship, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But then that contract got extended. Then I got like a real position. And um, yeah, I honestly loved Canberra. It was yeah one of my best years of my life. Yeah? Just, what did you love about it? Um, the diplomatic community really made it. It was like having an instant family, although I was so far away from home. There were so many events, networking events happening all the time. So I was entertained all the time, met everybody, knew everybody. And the city itself, it's pretty small and I'm a small town girl. So it was perfect for me. Um, but yeah, after that year, I kind of felt like I hadn't really seen the real Australia. You know, I've always seen like pictures of the beaches and just hot weather all the time, which Canberra is not at all. <laughs> Aside from the fact that it's public service central and it's full of diplomats, yes, <laughs> exactly. not really the real Australia. No. Yeah, and I knew I wanted to go for a postgraduate degree as well, so I started looking into law degrees in Commonwealth countries and I was open to for anything really. Then I came across Bond University, which offered the fast-track program which for me meant I could sell it better to my parents. And I looked at pictures of Bond and the Gold Coast and I was like, yep, I'm going there. When you eventually arrived on the Gold Coast, did it live up to your expectations of what you thought it would be? I moved straight to what I called the Bond bubble. So I moved to Robina and I spent my whole semester basically, you know, at Bond University, by Bond University, with everyone from Bond University. <laughs> so, not I, really the real yeah, Australia. Yeah, it either. wasn't the really real <laughs> Australia. And then after that first semester, I decided, no, that's not it. Like, I want to move, you know, to the beach. And then that's where I mo moved to Burley Heads, and it was the best decision ever because. That's when I really experienced real Australia. Like I would get up, go to the beach, go for a surf, go for a run, and then go to uni when I had to. So that was way better for me. Burley would have to be one of the dream locations to live, certainly in this oh. country and probably in a lot of countries in the world. And yet, in some ways, because of that, it's not really the real Australia either, you know, is it? You know, it's not, it's not the western suburbs of Sydney or the northern suburbs of Melbourne or whatever, yeah. is it? You know, fun story actually, when I was about 18 years old, I came for the first time to Australia 
And at that time, I went to Brisbane, where one of my best friends was living, visited her, and then came down to the Gold Coast just for a day trip, went to Burley Heads, which was a mission at that time, like with (laughs) buses and public transport, trains and all of that. And then I arrived to Burley, and I remember sitting by the hill and looking at everyone in the surf and just thinking, these people don't even know how good they have it to be (laughs) living here. And like... Five years later, I moved to Burley Heads. You're yeah, living the dream. Yeah, 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 exactly. You're a Bondi. You've mm-hmm. moved out of what you call the Bond bubble. Yeah. And now you're part of that fabulous village community in Burley Heads. And you apply to be a Mayor's Student Ambassador. Mm-hmm. What attracted you to that program? Because it was about, you know, showing the beauty basically of the Gold Coast and showing your experience and being somehow connected to the network of the Gold Coast, like in a professional way, I thought, why not? This all sounds very attractive. And, you know, somehow the mayor's office is involved. And because I was in politics or like international relations, it all sounded really appealing. So, um, but at that time, I was really desperately looking for student jobs because you know I was paying these high fees and I somehow needed yeah to um, make it day by day and then I saw that volunteering position and I remember showing it to one of my friends and she was like no you need a job you don't need a volunteering position I was like I know but it just seems so good and yeah I just went for the interview. Tell me about two things I want to know about your fondest experience from studying at Bond what you loved about it most and being in that camp and then also maybe a highlight from the Mayor's Student Ambassador Program. Many highlights from the Mayor's Student Ambassador Program. We did so many things throughout that whole year. We went to Dreamworld and before it was even open to the public. So in the morning got like, you know, a tour of it. And we went to Morton Island for a whole day trip, went whale watching so many things and what I mostly liked about it is the friendships that we built within that group um, that are still lasting today and we still talk all with each other and it was so such a great experience and from Bond I really liked the curriculum I liked the classes I had the best professors and because it was in such small classes I always had direct access to the professor they felt more like friends at the end of the day and still today I feel like I can reach out to them or like when I went through the process of immigrations to get PR like I had some professors you know write a letter for me and stuff like that it was all so easygoing all the time which is not at all the way that it it is back in Switzerland like in Switzerland everything's so formal and like you don't ever call people by their first names and here you know the second I the professors walked into the classroom they're like oh I'm Mary or I'm Peter so it just felt like such a great community that you could always go back to always ask questions and no I definitely felt that connection and still do you know whenever I don't know I'm traveling and tell someone where I've studied they're like oh yeah so you're a panda and I'm like yeah I am a panda (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. it's good now what I find really curious you're truly a global citizen you traveled around (laughs) a lot your parents are different nationalities you grew up in another country and you've come to study here in another country 
and you now travel the world, but you still consider the Gold Coast home, don't you? Yes. Why? It just felt like this place where I just felt like I could express myself the way, you know, I wanted to. I felt that in Switzerland everything was really a bit too much work-oriented and here I was just able to kind of balance more like whatever my interests are which were you know surfing being at the beach enjoying nature outside but also at the same time study and work and it just balanced it all out and that's what I didn't experience anywhere else and still haven't you know like yeah but you told your parents it's only another two years how do they feel about the fact that (laughs) you now call Australia home and specifically the Gold Coast um so I made them come out uh, to Australia for my graduation and after that they spent some time here they were here for about a month so after that they were like we get it why you want to stay and don't want to come back home and also like back home where I'm from it's a small town so everyone has to kind of commute most of the time to the bigger cities for their work and it's nine months out of the 12 months it's gray it's not even you know snowing it's just gray and raining and then you get maybe three months of the summer so I'm like there's no comparison to the Gold <laughs> I don't even want to go there. <laughs> I hear you. All right, you graduate with a Juris Doctor mm-hmm. and you land a job here, is that right? You, you got a job on the Gold Coast? Yeah, I got a job pretty much early on, to be honest, when I started studying at the same time. I was at one law firm doing conveyancing because I really wanted to work at the same time at a law firm and somehow, yeah, I landed a job (laughs) and quickly realized that conveyancing wasn't done really for me. (laughs) And then through a study Gold Coast networking event, I met my future employer (laughs) Uh, that's that mayor student ambassador program paying off already exactly yeah Yeah, Yeah. honestly and that and at the same time i started studying international finance and taxation laws and my future employer that i met at that networking event he was just starting out with his international tax law firm and it just all fell into place and he offered me the job i went like for a drink with him and he was like yep you're in (laughs) and that's yeah how it all started tell me what happened then because I don't think you stayed there very long after you graduated how long did you stay with that company well it was about almost two years because I was studying and working and after the two-year tourist doctor program I had to do my PLT which is like the practical legal training so that was another couple of months and then being admitted so it ended up being um, that's admitted to the bar not to prison right no, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah. just thought I'd clarify that um, yeah it ended up being almost two years and then after my admission I was kind of like and now what <laughs> And after my admission, I also realized, you know, like, what am I going to do now? Just work the day I die, basically. And I just... Hang on, you're only doing it for not even two years. I know, I know. (laughs) I think you've been spoiled by this whole Gold Coast lifestyle. I'm a bit restless. And so I always knew, like, I always had a passion for traveling. My first solo traveling I did 
at the age of 17, 18, I went to Vietnam, did some volunteering there. Um, the next year I went to Uganda by myself for two months and did some traveling and volunteering there, which my parents gave them almost a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> Not the no, safest place no, on the planet. I know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I, I always knew I wanted to travel and I had put it a bit on hold because of, you know, education and, and wanting to finish my studies. And back in Switzerland, it's actually really common that after high school you do a gap year, like all of my friends did it, like everyone went for a year to South America. Well, anyway, I never did a gap year. I was kind of pushed by my parents a bit to, you know, just go the academic route. And so after the admission and everything, I remember calling my mom shortly after and telling her, you know what, I'm going to book a one-way ticket to Thailand because I knew we were going to spend Christmas in Thailand with the family. I was like, I'm going to book a one-way ticket and just travel the world, take my gap year that I never had. <laughs> How old were you then when you made this decision? Oh, that was 2018, so 26. So this is kind of really delayed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I studied for seven and a half years. And she was like, well, yeah, I guess so. You know, I was making my own money. I had yeah everything going for me. And I knew I could always come back, you know, take a lawyer job. And I knew, luckily, that... I was going to apply for permanent residency to make sure that I come back home to the Gulf Coast. And from then on, um, I felt like, you know, once I made that decision, the universe just took over it and like kind of fast forwarded it all. Shortly after I met my partner and he... Is he in Australia? Yeah, he's from the Gold Coast. He oh, grew right, up on okay. the Gold Coast. Yeah. He was like, do you want to come and travel the world with me? And I was like, I was already going to do it. So <laughs> you're coming with me. Yeah, this is the <laughs> guy for me. I have to ask you, mm -hmm. because you've been traveling ever since then, right? For the yeah. last, well, nearly two years yeah, or whatever exactly. it is, right? You've studied at one of the most universally respected universities mm -hmm. in the world, mm -hmm. doing one of their most highly regarded mm -hmm. courses where you could get a job as a graduate from this university that we're sitting in right now, Bond University, anywhere, mm -hmm. really, any kind of job, and be very well paid and have a very secure career. Mm -hmm. You've studied for seven years. Mm -hmm. you've, you've put all this work in. And you go, you know what? Now that I've done all of that, this really isn't a gap year, <laughs> is it? I'm just going to pull up stumps and I'm just going to go. How hard is it to take that leap of faith and you don't even know really what you're going to do yet, apart from travel, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely had a bit of an internal battle. But I think just inside of me, I just had that itchiness of like, I want to go and see more. And I just can't fit into basically a model anymore of like the 95. Because I went that year, you know, took my three weeks of holidays and went to Sri Lanka. And that was what sparked it a bit again. And I was just like, I want to go again somewhere. And now I have to sign a paper that says that asks for permission if I can leave for holidays. And it just all seemed <laughs> a bit too... And I only get four weeks a year. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It just seemed a bit too... I was getting a bit anxious, to be honest. But I've all of that study, <laughs> all of that work that you put into it. And I've always kind of, don't know, lived my life... Whenever the question comes up, what if I just have to do it? And for me at that time, the question, what if I don't travel the world? You know, what if I hadn't taken that opportunity? What if I just keep 
working now like forever and yeah what if so once that question came up I just knew I, I had to go and do it and in my eyesight it's more of a, a bigger security to know you know I've had this great opportunity I have this diploma and I can go come back anytime really and take up a job so it was kind of more comforting to me um, it didn't feel like I was giving something up I know for other people and, and people tell this to me now obviously no one told it to my face at that time <laughs> but, you were uh, mad. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah people were like you know she's got a great job she's got it all going for her and now she's just leaving basically and packing up but yeah just I just knew, like, I had to do it at that time. and yeah. It was the right thing Yeah, yeah. You definitely. didn't ever have to question that. No, never had a hesitation. Okay, you travel the world. At what point does Wanderer's Wealth evolve? Like, what was the genesis of the idea of that? And also, can you explain exactly what it is? So, Wanderer's Wealth is my online business. I do international tax consulting for digital nomads and remote workers, expats, basically people who live a similar life to me, really nomadic, and they've got no idea where to pay their taxes or like where to set up their business because they are everywhere. So I help them with their structure. And the way it all started was I met my partner in Bali. Oh, he's from the Gold Coast, but yeah. you met him in Bali. Well, we had met previously on the Gold Coast, oh. but we really got to know each other in Bali. And that's when we were talking about traveling the world. But I still had my job back on the Gold Coast. Like, I was only on holiday, taking over holidays because I had already used almost all my days up but I just had to go to Bali because I was going to meet my two best friends from Switzerland that I hadn't seen in four years so I was like nah like I'm taking you need to find someone to take my hours I'm sure your boss was really impressed with that (laughs) yeah exactly so um yeah I was in Bali and we knew at that time that we were going to go and travel because he has already an online business he's a travel photographer travel blogger so we kind of trying you know to come up with ideas what I could do on the road and I don't even know what we thought of but you know there's like freelancing and stuff all these platforms and I was like oh maybe I can do that but I also I didn't have too much pressure on me because I knew I had some money saved and whatnot and I was going to go and travel anyway so but then um, we went and had dinner with a couple of friends and they're like digital nomads they work online have businesses online and they're living and working from everywhere and all of a sudden they start talking about their taxes and I remember we just looked at each other and I was like what the hell like people don't just talk about their taxes you know it's not yeah. like a dinner conversation that you usually yeah, have not the most and exciting conversation yeah, you exactly. want to introduce yeah. and they were like oh I just don't know what to do anymore and I just had to raise my voice and be like well I know like I know exactly like how to help you like how to find a solution and that's when I got my first client and even before um, I quit my job before coming back to the Gold Coast I already had my first three clients because 
they just spread the words, you know, saying there's this girl who does international tax. This is all from this holiday in Bali? Yeah. So you haven't quit your job yet? I haven't quit my job yet, <laughs> yeah. And they're like, there's this girl who knows what to do, like, with taxes, and she's a lawyer, and, yeah, rumors just started spreading. And I think what it was for people, you know, who needed help with their taxes was that I wasn't the typical accountant, you know, coming in, like, proper clothes or whatever. I was in thongs probably so everyone just felt like they could talk to me and like yeah figure well, it out could they really take you seriously she can't be a lawyer you know she can't know international tax law turns up in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and thongs no yeah i think once you get started like the conversation gets going they knew like oh she knows what she's talking about is it as simple as well you need to set up an offshore account in the Cayman Islands. And <laughs> <laughs> is that the answer? No, not at all. I wish it was that easy. No, not at all. Tax havens um, for all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not at all. There's too much like information sharing these days between governments, so it's you can't just go and hide in a tax haven anymore. That's not a... Unless you've got a gazillion dollars. <laughs> Maybe, but even then, those are not at all the structures that I would suggest. And it's really like on an individual base, you know, where everyone's from. They've got different laws in their own home countries. So so how do people find you? If you're traveling the world, you've been <laughs> doing this for two years, best part of two years yeah. now. How do they find you? Um, they found me through social media, Instagram mostly. I've got a website and apparently some of my articles, I've only got like 10 articles out there, but they're ranking on Google on first page. I don't know how. I don't know anything about SEO really. <laughs> Possibly but, because you're one of the few people that's actually doing this. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. And referral, a lot of people who, you know, were my clients and then they've got another friend in the, dig the digital nomad community becomes quickly quite small. You're traveling with your partner who's a travel blogger and has his own work. Mm -hmm. So do you just follow him and then you work yeah. where you can? Yeah. So I've, I would say for the first six months when we started traveling, I didn't really focus too much on my business, Wanderer's Wealth, because to me what he was doing was so exciting <laughs> and I learned everything about you know um, social media and how to make money with it how to just like make money out of photography videography you name it and that was really exciting for me and that's also the part like where I feel that we both invested all of it in his business so we built his business up first and then after that was kind of established I felt like I still have Wanderer's Wealth, you know, I still had clients without me having to do anything. So I was like, I really now want to focus on Wanderer's Wealth and what that can become. But to answer your question, yeah, I would mostly go wherever he would get a job or wherever we decided to go. Like, because there's obviously trends with locations. And for example, we went to the Philippines for three months knowing that it's an up and coming place. So people would, you know, read all of the articles and blogs that we write about the Philippines. Okay, because there's a lot of interest there. So, so much yeah. interest. And that builds more interest in your business. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like you're living and occasionally working in this parallel universe that the rest of us working our nine to five jobs? 
don't really understand or just aren't even fully aware of. It is another life yeah. and a very unstructured life that older generations could not oh, relate to. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And I still don't think my parents really understand what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and they keep asking me, do you have money? Do you have And I'm like, yes. I'm all good, really, trust me. Like, I have lots of money. You should yeah, see my clients. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I get it. And as you say, especially the older generations, and I've got a couple of friends who are older, you know, in their 40s or so, and even they say, I could never think of my life to not have a nine-to-five job. Like, it's just part of life. Whereas I think for us younger generations there's so many more opportunities I guess but I honestly think like it's not you know something I know a lot of people say like oh you live a dream life and whatnot but I don't see it as a dream life because I honestly feel that everyone could do it everyone could drop their nine-to-five you know figure out what they're good at figure out what their passion is and start trying to build up a client base and start selling it. Well, not everyone necessarily has the skill sets to be working in the digital space in that way. Do you see yourself as an entrepreneur? Yes, definitely now. I didn't see myself as an entrepreneur three years ago, like never. I always thought, you know, I would have a normal job, so to speak. Like I always thought I would have a nine-to-five. I was working towards being a lawyer, so that came with it and I was always in the academic space as well so I was really interested in research always and like if someone would have asked me do you want to be an entrepreneur I would have said and do what you know like, <laughs> well, I think that's what most people say that aren't in that space exactly. would say exactly yeah, the same thing yeah and that's the definition really in its essence of being an entrepreneur it's defining a problem and finding a need in that market mm-hmm. and that came out of that dinner that night just exactly. from a conversation and suddenly the light bulb moment that just so happened to be right up your alley because yeah. you were fully qualified for this on yeah. a number of fronts as a lawyer who'd studied international tax mm-hmm. law and you could do this. Mm-hmm. You also have an Instagram account, which yes. <laughs> I'm guessing that your partner, in your own curiosity in discovering the way he works and what he does as a travel blogger and his business, that you've created your own now Instagram account, which is totally separate from Wanderers mm-hmm. Wealth. Is that a money-making venture for you or is that just something you're doing on the sideline because, you know, you are just having a fabulous time carousing all um, over the planet? My main focus isn't Instagram, but it's definitely also um, income stream and never something that I thought that I would ever be doing. But it's been a great tool to share my travels, also have it for myself somewhere up there as memory so to speak and at the same time be able to kind of promote my business through that platform because a lot of my clients will come in and say hey you know I saw your travel account and then I saw what you do and so a lot of business is created that way mm-hmm. yeah definitely yeah. The thing about people documenting their Insta lives is it's this kind of hyper-realized version of themselves that is not the truth. Mm-hmm. It's their alter ego having some sort of perfect life that just is unattainable. Mm-hmm. In your case, I'm beginning to wonder whether <laughs> it really is the truth <laughs> to a large extent. Is it? Or is this just a visual fabrication of maybe something that's not quite as glamorous as it appears? 
Yeah, definitely. Like I think with anything really, I feel that people mostly take pictures of happy moments. Even, you know, back in the days when there wasn't these digital platforms that everyone could follow. Um, obviously, I just put out like the happiest moments, so to speak. And it's something that I'm working on, like I want to be more open and share, you know, all the ins and outs of being a digital nomad, of being an entrepreneur and traveling full time definitely space that I want to create more but the pictures and the places are as stunning at the, as they look <laughs> so that's all real we don't or like Johnny my partner who edits the pictures mostly doesn't use photoshop so it's only like room you know the colors and, Filters but, and that's it. yeah like I it really looks the way that it is how many countries have you traveled to now or have you lost count Do you I've know? lost count um Within the last two years, over 30. And the highlights? What's the most amazing place in the world that you've seen that just blew your socks off? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I... And you can't say burly heads, okay? Yeah. It doesn't get that sound. That's cheating. We all know how fabulous burly is. I know. Um, my top three ones, I would have to say, and it's always the places that I didn't expect to be you know that great Egypt and I know like a lot of people think of the pyramids when they think of Egypt and that was the same for me but actually the pyramids weren't that great if I may say so I mean it was really crazy crumbling old buildings can't find an entrance ridiculous no windows in them (laughs) but it was like it was great being there and soaking it all in but what was more amazing for me was like all the temples the Nile we did like this felucca boat ride on the Nile for three days and that was incredible and then we did snorkeling in Egypt as well by the Red Sea and it was like one of the most amazing places for snorkeling that I've ever been so it was the culmination of all these places where I was like I had never expected to experience all of that in Egypt and um, the same thing happened in Peru Yeah, Peru, I just thought always Machu Picchu, and that was it really. But there was so much more. There's like this oasis in the desert, and this Lima, that's an absolutely gorgeous city. Um, Kind of reminded me a bit of Sydney. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, um, and we did a nine day trek in Peru, which was also like personally a really great experience and pushed me a bit to my limits physically and emotionally so yeah all of that together just like things that I didn't expect and then lastly I think Mexico and obviously I've got that connection that I was born in Mexico and I have been back a couple of times with my family but never really traveled throughout the whole country And going back and we spent almost two months there and it was just so great. Like the whole culture and obviously spending time with the family and discovering different places within Mexico because there is such a big difference between like Oaxaca, which is like this really cultural place, and then Cancun, which is, you know, resorts and beach and whatnot. Full of rich Westerners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I loved exploring it. It was beautiful. And then the Mayan culture, um, Aztec, and the ruins, the pyramids. So much history. So much, so much to do. Were the Mexican pyramids more impressive than the Egyptian ones then? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't too impressed with the Egyptian pyramids. I don't know why. Maybe it's just like you've always seen them. And right. Then, yeah. So what's the downside of traveling? You've talked about some of the amazing experiences. What's the downside of being on the go all the time? <laughs> well, there's a lot of planning that goes into traveling that no one really thinks about. I feel like the, a lot of what I did was constantly travel planning, you know, figuring out how do we get from one place to the next place. Honestly, like it was a full-time position, administrative <laughs> travel planning position so there goes a lot of time in that and obviously with the job that my partner has comes a lot of unpredictability so we couldn't really plan too much far ahead because we'd never know you know what job might come up in another country that we'd have to go to so that's also there goes a lot of internal work. How comfortable do you feel with this environment of not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow or, you know, within the next three days? And then combining that with having myself a business who's really service-based and who, like, fully relies on my presence, that was just a lot of pressure. And I remember telling this to one of my good friends and she was like, I'm exhausted just listening to you. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, do you ever get really tired of the traveling? Is there ever a time you think, I would just love to stay in one place for a month or six months or whatever it is and just feel like you're part of a more stable community, whatever mm -hmm. it is? I have that, but for me it's two weeks and I'm ready to take off again. Yeah. And that two weeks is the Gold Coast, that's it. Yeah, you know? two weeks is right. usually either the Gold Coast or Bali. Yeah, we've had a couple of like breaks in between, but never longer than two months. Yeah. I've got a couple of questions with you because of all the traveling. Number one is coronavirus. We've got this pandemic that's sweeping the world. You travel the world. You travel the world in places where medical facilities are probably somewhat suspect and not the kind of place where you'd want to be caught with an incurable disease. Mm -hmm. How does that make you feel about what you do with what's happening in the world right now? I was staying really calm for the longest time and it didn't really face me too much. I felt like the media, you know, was over-exaggerating and I don't consume that much media anymore, so I was pretty good at like you know keeping that boundary and I'm still like two days ago I was looking at flights you know because they're so cheap and I'm like uh, I want to go. now you know why. <laughs> yeah I know. and I want to go and actually um, when was it at the end of January we were flying from Mexico to Bali and it was like a 50-hour journey and we stayed for 12 hours in Manila in the airport and after that I got really sick <laughs> but with with saying that I always get sick on like long haul flights and journeys but I had a cold and flu and internally I was a bit freaking out <laughs> but I internally I'm thinking should I be wearing a face mask right now <laughs> no, talking to you <laughs> no but and at the same time I knew I was going to go to Australia so that was a bit comforting, knowing that I was going to be in a country where I would be taken care of. And right now, I feel so lucky that I'm right now in a phase where I said, you know, I'm going to be 
based in Australia for the next two months. I'm not traveling and the world is basically in this state of pandemic. So yeah, I'm now in Australia and I feel very lucky to be here to know, you know, if anything you will be taken care of. I know my partner is leaving next week to Africa and, you know, I'm a bit worried about him now. <laughs> yeah. Of course. The other question I have for you, given the nature of what you do and the fact it's not just you, there's hundreds of thousands of people mm-hmm. doing the same sort of thing, and more, millions, whatever it is, we're increasingly conscious of the carbon footprint that we leave mm-hmm. in a, a world where the climate science is overwhelmingly saying that we have to change the way that we live. Mm-hmm. How do you reconcile that with what you do when you're jumping on aeroplanes every five minutes to go somewhere else in the world? Mm. Yeah, it's something that I haven't spent too much time, to be honest, like thinking about, just because I know like that it's a bad thing and that climate change is a real thing. I've kind of yeah not thought too much about it um, whenever we are within a country, you know, we use a lot of public transport and all of that but I know that flying is like one of the biggest emissions out there definitely but still you know even now with the coronavirus flights are still going and they're like more than half empty and there's still airplane in the sky that are flying around with no people in it yeah well it's one of those things isn't it because you have to change the behaviour before the system starts to change to adapt to what mm-hmm. people are doing. So if people just keep going, well, I'm only one person or we're yeah. only two people doing this. Yeah, yeah. Well, if everyone else thinks that way, then nothing will ever yeah, change. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So definitely. It's that thing that no, I feel guilty when I travel yeah. and not as much these days as I used to. And it really weighs heavy on my mind. No, I've kind of been able to... I know it and, like, I'm, you know, really for, like climate change and all of that but I don't know how to reconcile the both but it's never way too heavily on my mind lucky well maybe I've planted a seed and and the next entrepreneurial (laughs) venture will be something that's far more planet friendly Mm -hmm. so Kathleen what's the long-term goal what's the long-term vision do you think that you can just go on traveling the globe as you're doing and conducting your business as you do or is there something else (laughs) Um, yes, definitely. I don't see myself stopping, you know, this lifestyle if you want. As I said, I'm still getting itchy feet and I've taken currently now two months to be in Australia and to figure out what next steps to take with my business, which I want to take into the direction of not being so focused on myself, like not make it more automated and bringing in potentially you know hiring people and just getting more help taking it to the next level so that I don't need to be there 100% or 24-7 and with that the next goal being you know when can I take off again (laughs) (laughs) well we should wrap up because I'm sure there's a plane leaving in five minutes (laughs) when Kathleen DiPaolo gets those itchy feet there's always a plane standing by waiting to take her away to yet another destination. If you enjoyed listening to Kathleen's story, please rate the show through your preferred podcast portal. And if you feel the itch to share your thoughts, by all means, write a review. 
You'll find the other episodes and more details about this series at www.studygoldcoast.org.au slash podcast. My name is Trevor Jackson, and I'll catch you next time for Tomorrow is Mine.